All right, welcome to another edition of the ONG Strike Zone. Brian Fulford, Kelvin Rozier, Kofi Hemingway, live and direct uh, from our home studios all across the state of Florida, where we are raising the red flag and letting everybody know there is only one agricultural and mechanical university in the SWAC East. <laughs> uh, how you fellas doing today? Doing great, man. Feeling How are good, you? man. Feeling great, man. I'm, I'm doing well. Doing well. We got a uh, jam-packed show. Um, lots to talk about. We've got uh, not only do we we've got plenty to talk about on the football field. Uh, we got some news to talk about on the courts, our volleyball and and uh, volleyball court. A uh, big weekend uh, just passed, and basketball is even getting started. You know, they got a big event going on right now, live in Tallahassee. Uh, you know, I, I don't know why that event is not online right now. But anyway, I'm going to move on. Uh, but so, you know, hopefully we get some reviews from that event. It should be online. I mean, I'm just saying, just keep it real. Uh, we're fortunate to have a couple of uh, coaches joining us. Uh, coach Rochelle Houston, the uh, head women's tennis coach, will be joining us. And Coach Jamie Shoup, our baseball coach, will be joining us. And then a little bit later, we'll also get a chance to speak with Mr. Jerome Blake, who is the PA announcer at Mississippi Valley State football games for the past 33 years. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get a chance to talk to him about this year's team. And, I mean, he's got history, guys. I, You know, I I don't know. We, we, we got a – when you get a – when you get a gentleman with that kind of history – and I and talking to him pre pre show, you, you know we I don't know if fifteen minutes will hold him. You know we we got a lot there's a lot of history, and and a lot of places and stories that he's been and seen. So we're looking forward to that. We even, fellas, we even have an opportunity to take some live calls at the top of the second hour. Live calls. Yes, I see that amazed look. So if you have band related questions for Kofi, you can ask him. You got athletics questions for Kelvin you can ask him uh you want to complain about quarterbacks ask me no, I'm just kidding uh <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that out there anyway, you gonna get off you gonna get off my boy McKay how about that hey he played a great game when he counted all, all right. right so look uh follow the ONG strike zone on Facebook Twitter and Instagram shout out to everyone if you're following us out there on YouTube watching us live on Facebook we appreciate you We'll come and we'll get some of your commentaries and thoughts, and and maybe when we throw out the call in number, some of you will decide that you want to join us. But first, fellas, we got to talk about that game now. Which one of both of you made the road trip? Am I correct? Both of you made the road trip to Huntsville. That's correct. So, I mean, look, we were doing the watch party. And I was nervous as a bug, you know, sitting here watching this game, trying to trying to be objective, but at the same time watching these plays. And just to set it up for people, obviously most people know, but maybe somebody was in a closet and they don't know. Uh, FAMU was down one point in the middle of the third quarter, 28 to 10. And I'll start there. And we'll, we'll go forward from that point, because I think from that point forward, gentlemen, I thought Coach Simmons and his staff, called and played their best game of the season, might even possibly of his tenure at FAMU, because I think it took a perfect fourth quarter for FAMU to overcome what was in front of us, and uh, the boys did it. Uh, coaching staff did it. They managed the clock well. They managed the timeout situation well, didn't go nuts with it. And so uh, we'll start with you, Kelvin. Uh, we'll start from 2018. What were your thoughts at that point and then moving forward? Obviously, I was disappointed because uh, I knew we could put up points against this team. And we had done some things that were uncharacteristic turnovers. Uh, one of the turn turnovers, which was a little bit questionable, was uh, we couldn't tell if it was a catch or not a catch or the way they called it, where they bounced off the guy and never touched the ground. And for interception, but it, I, I'm going to talk about the referees a little bit later. But uh, okay. but uh, 
I, I said at the point when they went up 2810, this was an opportunity. And um, we were going to find out what we had with McKay at quarterback and just what kind of team. Because, you know, at first, not everybody, pressure bus type too, right? Not everybody makes success, successfully maneuver um, adversity. But this team, from that point, they focused in. And I, I'll say it was a great crowd also at the game. The rallies, man, they were loud. They they seemed to give the team energy and life so much so that as the players started to make plays and come off the field, they would uh, turn to the crowd and, you know, you know, try to get, you know, get that energy. And the crowd responded beautifully, man. I, I thought we really, uh, as a crowd, helped that team um, turn that call. So now in terms of the S's and O's, um, I, I thought we were a little two pass oriented, oriented early. I didn't and too. we kind of got back to our base of what we should be, where uh, we run in pass, but we use the run to set up the pass. Um, and of course, uh, uh, we had some 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 amazing plays. Frankly, uh, having Chad Hunter back was big, man. Uh, Especially because we had some guys who was nicked up and injured, right? Uh, Manigo, he kind of, you know, got banged up in the game, and then you didn't see him much in the second half. Uh, of course, Xavier was 100%, and he did. He was visited. So we had some other guys that actually stepped up, but having Chad there, you know, was really big. And um, for the Bishop, amen, amen. Bishop gets a couple of amens, right? Yeah. <laughs> Because, uh, you know, he, he was a tackler. Jennings was, was solid. And that defense, man, we we locked, we played rally defense in the, from that last 18 minutes or so where we got pressure on the quarterback, we got sacks, we got tackle for loss, and then, of course, we closed the game out with a uh, interception. So um, the fact that we got down against the team with that kind of offensive power, we fast-paced the adversary phase in terms of the uh, refereeing, and uh, to come back and, and just make all the plays we had to make. We had to be almost perfect. And we did so. You, you, you didn't see distension, no, no finger pointing, um, no heads hung low or anything, man. And um, what it tells me moving forward, right, we're we going to game seven now. What it tells me moving forward is that we know we have a team that can handle adversity. And we know we have a quarterback who can win a game for us, not just game management. So I'm hopeful that we'll see a little bit more opening of the offense, frankly, moving forward. But it was a great rally win. What do you got, Kofi? Uh, I had a great time in uh, Huntsville, Alabama. Obviously, it seemed like it wasn't going to uh, start off that way, but as uh, Kelvin spoke of, uh, there were a lot of Rattlers that were there. Uh, I want to say that uh, I agree with everything that Kelvin said. I, I, I was the opening drive was a thing of beauty. Everything um, they saw where we had mismatches, they exposed those mismatches, and they got those guys the ball. Uh, then in the second drive. We did a couple of basic run plays. They started uh, run blitzing our guys and really stuffing the line of scrimmage. Um, so we had to make plays a little bit more down the field. Um, you know, play calling is a thing of rhythm and seeing where, uh, seeing what the defense is in fact giving us at that time. And if they continue to give you that, you continue to take that. Um, that being said, we were in position to uh, methodically beat Alabama AM. Uh, not saying that they would have not made a run, but we made life easy for them with the fumble return for the touchdown. And uh, I think just sometimes we may have overthought some things. Um, if we kick the field goal right before the half, the score is 14-13 going into the half and that wouldn't have been a bad deal as a result we went for the fake it did you know you always second guess it when it does not work had it worked it would have been brilliant right um but it didn't work 
So uh, we're down 14-10. Uh, then go, coming out in the second half, um, we weren't aggressive, and that's the thing really with the defense that I, I really thought um, was going to be different because Grambling was able to have the success that they had against Akil Glass by putting him under immense pressure. Jackson State put him under immense pressure, and consequently he turned the ball over. Um, it wasn't until late in the third, early in the fourth, that our, our guys on the line started getting to the QB. And that made a difference in the game um, tremendously. And uh, that's really my only take back. Obviously, when we did uh, get more aggressive with our play calling, Chad's catch made the ESPN number one spot for the football uh, segment of the day. And he made the top 10 on SportsCenter, which I think was amazing exposure for our program. But Chad is an incredible athlete. And... Uh, you know, there, there are three game balls that I – four that I definitely would have handed out. Uh, Alabama I – one, I would have handed to our defense. They held Alabama A&M to two out of 17 on – Hey, guys, can you hear me? We got you. Go ahead. Keep going. Okay. They um, held up to two out of 17 on third down. Then I want to say I wanted, I would give a game ball to Chad Hunter. I would also give a game ball to McKay. And I would give a game – obviously, the big game ball goes to Bishop Bonnet. Yeah, well said. Um, you know, that it's funny you brought up the third down conversions, Kofi, because that's one of the things that I noted about Alabama A&M a few weeks ago, that that was, a, that was something that I spotted in – and as efficient as their offense was in those first four weeks of the season, their third down conversion rate was horrible. Uh, and, and, you know, I mean, it was well below 50%, um, you know, almost like in the 20, 30% mark. Um, so for us to do that, and then I kind of did a little digging after that game, uh, we're one of the, uh, we're kind of a top 10 in the nation on third down conversion defense. Matter of fact, we are number seven at uh, 25.9%, number one in HBCU football, number seven in the nation, FCS, uh, ahead of Prairie View A&M, who's ninth, and Jackson State, who's 11th. So that that spoke volumes um, for, for me. And, and then, you know, you brought up the – you know, I, I think early on, I'm going to give a little credit to Alabama A&M's offensive line. Because I, you know, I think we expected our offense, our defensive line, to just come in there and rush and just have their way with them early in the game, and that didn't happen. And I, I think maybe a little bit of credit goes to their offensive line because I'm sure they got beat up big time over the last two weeks and probably over the past week. But water finds its level, and I, I think they are what they are. So as good as they were playing. And as 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 ineffective as we were, you you kind of knew, okay, something's going to change. They they can't keep us from getting to the quarterback quarterback all game, you know. And and, and that's what happened. I, I thought when the momentum started to turn, all of a sudden it was like a, a, a fire. And our guys continued to get to the quarterback. Um, I didn't. I'm trying to look and see the number of sacks that we had in the contest. Um. We had four sacks, and I'm not, I think all four of them came in that fourth quarter, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, we held a quill glass to 199 yards passing, which I think is the lowest that he's been held all season. And uh, Gary Corals ran 98 yards for them. So we, we really contained them. You know, like I said, a, a big player there is all they really had. Um, and I just thought when when the drives counted, um, I'm gonna go back to the drive chart here that I was looking at, guys, because I really thought after the interception, then we go to you know mid third quarter, McKay touchdown. Uh, we had four of the next six possessions were touchdowns. We only had two punts, and I wasn't even mad at those punts because I just felt like. The momentum and tide was changing, and we just had to play a four, perfect fourth quarter defensively. From a defensive standpoint, you had to have a perfect first quarter 
And, you know, we forced them into one, two, three, four, three and outs. It doesn't get much better than that. I mean, 19 to three was the fourth quarter margin there. Um, so uh, that that was a that was a, a, a great fourth quarter there. Let me transfer it over. Kelvin, you said you had a beef with the officials. And give you an opportunity to get that off your chest. What about the officials really concerned you? And 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 two things, you guys were there. I, I couldn't really make this out from television. I'm curious about the crowd. You know, the week before Jackson State looked like they filled up that entire sideline. It looked like we only kind of covered about half of it. So I'd like for you guys to kind of comment about the attendance numbers from Rattler Nation that was there. But but like I said, Kelvin, I want to give you the floor because I know you had some comments about the officiating. Now a lot of eyes on us. There's a lot of positive things happening. And we have to be able to leverage that. But if we're going to leverage that, people got to feel like when they're watching our product, that they actually a professional operation. And too often now, you know, you you watch these games and even the announcers are just confused and frustrated um, about what the fish ate. I would tell you, I'm, I admire uh, Coach Simmons because he rarely talks to the refs and rarely um, has much to say. Even as bad as it can be sometimes, you know. But this game, I think he talked to the refs more than I've seen him in his whole career at FAMU. I mean, every break looked like he was talking to them, to be honest. And um, it was just, it was it was a lot, man. It, it, you know, I, I got a few things, you know. Uh, the first two drives when they scored, there were pass interference calls. You know, sometimes those things, judgment, one might have been one, probably wasn't. But look like every time somebody scores against our defense is on pass interference calls. Then um, we had uh, some uh, the wide receiver. I, I talked about Xavier's play where you know he dove for the ball. Um, to me, it was either a catch or an incomplete pass, but it bounced up and they called it an interception. Uh, Right before the half, um, there was well no before then it took uh, there was a big play, the first long bomb, the ball obviously bounced off the turf, and they that was one of the few plays that was the replay, and I, everybody pretty much assumed that well they can't miss miss this one it's obvious that it wasn't a clean catch, but they. Uh, they call it. They call it a kick. They let it stand. Then uh, you can, you guys, you guys could see that on the replay. I mean, the replay that they showed, you could see that it wasn't a catch clearly. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yes. That was clear. And then, and then, uh, and then um, the, the the other thing I point to was uh, placement of the balls. So in short yardage situations, uh, punts, it is like every 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 at least one play. Every series for us offensively, they were moving the ball back two, three yards from where the ball carrier or the receiver was down. <laughs> or the spot. I mean, and, and, and they were, I'm talking three, four yards in a lot of cases, right? Wasn't even close. So those are just routine things. And I, I, I want to feel like the refs are professional and they care. They want to get it right. And I didn't feel that way. Uh, Saturday and and I just I just need to see improvement. We got to get more serious if we going if we want people to take our brand overall serious. The coaches got to do their part, players got to do their part, and administration and officiating got to do their part. You uh you brought up the penalty. I just looked at the penalty penalties and penalty yards. Now now watch this for Florida and then both teams actually had eleven penalties in the ball game. The difference yes. was. Our, our penalty yards, we had 183 penalty yards, which averages, like you said, Kelvin, now, I mean, you talked about everyone, what were they? What were they? I mean, that's an average of about 16 per. So that's almost every penalty is uh, almost an unsportsmanlike or, or a 15-yard nature, right? And then right. you had 11 penalties for Alabama A&M 
for 104 yards. Now, I mean, I, I don't. I, I mean, I don't have to do a breakdown of the penalties to know something's not right about that. You know, but uh, Kofi, uh, any any retort or anything you want to add there regarding the the officiating? And that was something I remember you. Let you me talking let me just say, early I mean, in the preseason. Right. Um, let me just say first of all that the the swag referees, uh, especially in this game, as Kelvin stated, the spotting was just utterly ridiculous. It was blatantly off. Um, the miscatch was. You know, I don't know what they're looking at, you know, obviously, but that wasn't the first time that they've had an opportunity to look at replay and get the play right. Um, I saw the same thing happen in Alabama, uh, with Alabama State and Southern. Southern blocked a kick, blocked a punt, ran in there for a touchdown. Um, the the referees saw it on the saw it on the screen and found a way not to give Southern. The touchdown, I was like, wow. Like, that there was just straight incredible. Like, that show used to be, that's incredible. Like, that's incredible. But just to put it in perspective, the MEAC is not much better. Um, and really, none of the, the leagues that we play in, the, in, in terms of FCS are not much better. But the SWAC has, a, the, the, the commissioner has to step in at some point and um, find another way to govern these guys or screen who actually gets to call our game because the officiating is indeed a part of the product that the SWAC puts out. And so we have to do a better job. When it comes to the crowd, I want to say that um, there were several in Rattler Nation that wanted to go to this game that were actually going to go to the game. And then uh, there were a couple of additional factors. One of those uh, was the fact that people started finding out that the 100 was not going. And when they found out that the 100 wasn't going, a lot of those guys, especially the band heads, were like, well, I'm not going to come because the band's not coming. Uh, the second thing is um, Alabama A&M is kind of like a new rival to us. They're old, but to this generation, they haven't done necessarily a whole lot to hate us, even though they were the defending uh, spring champions or whatever you want to call them. Um, at the same time, when they got beat 65 to 15, the 61 to 15, um, a lot of people were kind of like, well, I don't see the need for me to, I don't see the need for me to spend my money to go and watch us beat that team down. Um, you could watch it on TV. People saw that it was on TV, um, and just decided not to go. Uh, that being said, um, you know, uh, definitely Jackson State gets the, the travel award this year. They brought a ton of people to Miami. I thought that that was great. Um, they've traveled everywhere that um, the Jackson State football team has gone. The, the Southern football game with Jackson State is already sold out. And um, our fans, uh, although we are going to definitely have um, orange and green everywhere, Rattler Nation's culture lately has been about picking and choosing the games that they will attend. For instance, uh, it's going to be on the Memphis and the Arkansas and possibly the Mississippi people to hold Innovator down. Um, But there won't be a large contingent from Tallahassee because our people just don't necessarily love driving that long way or getting that way. There's not an airport uh, going and driving those dark roads in Mississippi where they're not all that comfortable anyway. So, um, <laughs> so all of that is is a factor, but um, you know, I, I felt like the 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 rattlers that were there did an amazing job of participating in the game Good. and utilizing and maximizing that energy to propel this football team to victory. I I want to I want to bring up a great point, uh, Mister Figures brought up on YouTube as it relates to the officiating the last play of the game was a touchdown that was also a yep. touchdown and, yes. and and there was a there was a lot of money that exchanged hands on that last touchdown because it did not happen i'm, I'm just going i'm just going to put it like that with with famu minus seven and a half point favorites let's just say that touchdown would have made a lot of people happy had uh they went ahead and counted that touchdown like they were supposed to but uh instead a lot of people took an l 
not your boy because uh, I've learned my lesson the hard way when it comes to my teams. But I know a lot of people who took an L. Uh, that was a touchdown at the end of the game. And uh, even Bishop Bonnet knew it was a touchdown. So we'll just leave it at that. Shame on you, SWAC officials. All right, we're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to step away from the football field. We'll come back to it. So for all of you, uh, make sure to uh, hang in there with us and uh, go ahead and give us a thumbs up and, and make sure you're following us on uh, YouTube if you're watching. But coming up, we're going to get a chance to talk with the head women's tennis coach, Rochelle Houston, and we'll kind of find out how our Lady Rattlers are doing out on the tennis court this upcoming season. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. We'll be back in just a moment. Charmin Ultra Soft has so much cushiony softness, it's hard for your family to remember. They can use less. Sweet pillars of softness. This is soft. Holy Charmin. Oh, excuse me. Roll it back, everybody. Sorry. Charmin Ultra Soft is so cushiony soft, you'll want more. But it's so absorbent, you can use less. So it's always worth it. Now, what did we learn about using less? You gotta roll it back, everybody. <laughs> we all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay. Call Cuvay. Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian Fulford, Kelvin Rozier, Kofi Hemingway. And it's our pleasure right now to have the uh, head women's tennis coach, Coach Rochelle Houston. Coach, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing well. How's everybody doing? Thanks for having me. All right. It's great great to have you on. Uh, glad you're able to join us. Uh, so, you know, the, the season has already begun uh, for, for the Lady Rattlers. Um, and, you know, a lot of people... Um, I don't know whether a lot of people kind of think of tennis as a, a spring sport, but in kind of uh, familiarizing yourself and familiarizing others with the schedule, let's first talk a little bit about how the schedule works, because you do have a few tournaments in the fall, but then it gets into a little bit going into the spring, and then you start really getting into those conference competitions. That is correct. That's correct. Um, yeah, so we are considered a, a spring sport, but we do have a fall season. We play tournaments in the fall, um, like you stated. We already started. We've had three tournaments so far where we played in Atlanta, Tampa, and Orlando, and we have one more that's coming up at D-Land. Um, and um, the girls have been playing very well, and we are looking forward for the spring season where we're going to play dual matches with a lot of teams and getting into the SWAC matches. Right, and so we, we opened the season in that HBCU National Tournament, um, which I, I think is awesome. Anytime, I mean, very similar to how golf kind of opened their season, I think anytime you can sort of have that kind of, uh, national tournament where you bring several schools together. I mean, we were 
the, it's hard to say we were the defending champs because that was from like two years ago. It seems like a lifetime ago. Um, lifetime. But 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 tell us a little bit about how that tournament went. I mean, what, did we go into that? I don't think we had the same roster, although I know we had a few ladies who uh, who played on that back in 2019 when we won that title. That is correct. Um, actually, we have four young ladies who came back from graduating, so they're using their waiver year to come back. So, um, you know, we did uh, play that tournament. It was kind of grueling because it was a lot of rain um, sitting there waiting on the courts, getting um, going back and forth. Uh, if it's going to rain, if it's not going to rain. But we did get a few matches in and um, got to play a little bit more and seeing the other teams, um, like you said, the HBCU Nationals, where we could see other teams in the SWAT conference and see what players that they have. Um, we was excited to see that and what we're going to during the season. Right, right. Kelvin, what do you got? Coach, talk about um, the SWAT and what you see in terms of their their competitiveness and is there any similarities, differences with the MEAC and, you know, what's your all overall impression and, and your team moving into the SWAC and what do you think you're going to need in order to compete for championship? Yeah, so um, we've been fortunate uh, to already play some SWAC matches um, throughout the years. So we play Southern every year. We've played Alabama A&M, Alabama State. Um, throughout the years. So we kind of know what the SWAT kind of holds. They are definitely a tough conference and um, we're really excited to get over there and show them what kind of team that we have. They did get to see us play in the HBCU tournament and um, they get to see what we have. But I think we are as a team, as a whole, we're excited to go out there um, and show what we have and what we're bringing it with the Florida a um, rather strike. Uh, to this white tournament. Kofi? Awesome. It's so good to see you, sis. You um, too. You too. <laughs> yeah, awesome, right? Um, what is the overall vision for the program? How good do you think uh, we can actually be long-term? And when do you foresee the men's team coming back? Like, what is it going to take for us to get that program back going again? Because it's, it's, it's making me... Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I, I know, I know I can hear it in your voice. I don't want you to go there, <laughs> but uh, well, answer the first question. Um, I think with this team this year, um, we had a lot of returners coming back this year. Last year we were second in the MIAC. So they're, they're coming back hungry and um, really want to show what we have in that sweet, uh, in that SWAC tournament. Like I said, we have a bunch of seniors, um, graduated seniors. So the next year coming up, we will be, I've been recruiting on the recruiting trail, bringing in a lot of young people for next year. So I think long-term, I think we're going to be um, very good, um, bringing in new um, talent so we can be prepared uh, where we want to go in the SWAC. As far as the men's tennis, um, definitely unfortunate. Um, that is a legacy beyond belief um, with all the talent and all the championships that have won throughout the years. I think um, hopefully maybe in the next three to five years, raising funds to bring back the school, um, bring back the tennis program because, it, I mean, it has to do with the funds um, and looking how we can make that program strong enough and stable on their own. Um, I think that's something that we kind of looking forward and trying to raise funds is, uh, to bring them back. Cool. cool. Um, um, I know a lot of teams in the SWAC have uh, a number of international players, in particular, Alcorn State. Um that hasn't pretty much been our philosophy in times past. I do see a lot of that beginning to change. What is your stance on that in regards to international players and how difficult is it for us to get the top African-American people or players to come to FAMU? It has been a struggle in the past to get the, the top talented um, uh Black Americans um, to come to FAMU. But once we bring them on campus on a, a tour and they get to see what we offer, it changes their mind. It's just they have to 
um, getting a mindset of coming to and seeing what we have to offer and seeing everything that we have to offer here at FAMU, um, it changes their mind and gets them to come here. Um, as far as the international, you know, it's kind of, you know, we have a few international on our team, um, but I think, you know, we've always been an international sport. And I think, you know, when you're competing, you know, everybody try to find the best players. And if we're not getting the top players that we need to compete for that championship, then sometimes they go outside. Um, but, you know, my first goal is always to look here in the United States, try to find the best uh, top talent that we can offer and bring it here. And then if I have to go outside, then I do that. But our, my first is always start here first. Cool. Any plans for a camp this summer? That is something that we are looking at um, is bringing a summer camp um, this year. Cool. Hey, Coach, uh, as, I, as I look at your, your roster, you know, and you mentioned that you have the four grad students, uh, you got mm -hmm. uh, a couple of seniors as well. It had me th and I want you to talk about those young ladies. So I want to give you kind of a moment to kind of talk about them. But I'm also curious about, you know, uh, as you and Kofi were just talking about the legacy of FAMU women's tennis and, and what is it that you are able to what, what do you use as sort of your recruiting pitch? when you're talking to uh, potential prospects? I mean, is it is it the legacy about the Gibson? Is it uh, the, 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 uh, the campus? Well, you know, so I want to give you a, a, some, some time to kind of not only talk about those uh, returners, but, but then maybe what is your uh, recruiting pitch? And you don't have to give all the trade secrets away, but just share a little bit about what, you know, just in case anyone is interested and may have a future tennis prospect out there, uh, mm -hmm. you know, just give us the secret, a little secret to the sauce. Okay. Well, you know, we always have to start off uh, with Athelia Gibson um, and her legacy that she has in the in the world of tennis, and you know, being the home of the tennis um, at the tennis course and being named after her. We always start with that, and then just you know, just come bring them to campus and showing them the the uh, campus and how many great majors that we have here on campus is something that we keep reaching for and showing that we are great in. There's so many different programs that we have to offer. And um, once they come out there and see and talk to the different deans, they see that, you know, success here is definitely something that you will want to be and want to, you know, continue and grow as you go through and graduate at Florida a University. And then when you're talking about my team, um, like I said, we had the four graduate seniors. They um, graduated on time. They came in together. They graduated together. Um, and then they um, wanted to come back and become a Rattler again, which is definitely awesome for me because I didn't have to do much recruiting. But, um, you know, they definitely wanted to come back because, you know, it left a little sour taste. Um, in second place. And so, you know, they wanted to come back and show what they had this year. So I had three all first team MEAC players um, last year. And that's something that they want to continuously go on to in the SWAC. And that was um, Alan Hubert, Rachel Harden, and um, Ari Neely. And they are continuously grinding, getting better as a team, growing within the tournaments that we're playing. Our practices are definitely getting tougher, getting stronger, um, and they're looking forward um, for what's going to be next for us. Kelvin? Coach, I want to talk about uh, facilities and some short-term goals you think that might um, enhance your, your ability to recruit and, and just make it a better experience and so forth. I know we talked about some electronic scoring devices and so forth. Yeah. Kind of talk about some, some things short 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 term that you know we might can do to to, to help your program. Yeah, so one of the things about our tennis facility is that we do have 12 courts at, at Florida A&M University. And some, some schools, even mid-majors, do not have that. So that's something that we have um, that's in advance from other schools. 
Um, but the things that um, talking to A.D. Gaucher was talking about getting our courts resurfaced in the short term and then bringing in like shading for the spectators, because when it's out there and you watch those matches, it gets hot. You already know, Kofi, it gets hot. <laughs> hot. So after doubles, you know, everybody was like, OK, it's over. I'm gone, even though we got singles left. But getting shades for um, the spectators is definitely on the list to have so they can be more comfortable and cheer on our Rattlers during the season. Well said, bring it, bring it home, Kofi. Well, I wish you the best of luck, sis. I've known you a you long too. time. Uh, I think that obviously this can be a, a championship program. We are already in Florida, and I'm excited for what you're going to bring to the table as the Rattlers take on the WAC. I mean, the SWAC conference uh, this uh, this spring and everything. So I'm excited about what the Rattlers are going to do. We're going to strike, strike, and strike again. So uh, it's so good to see you. I'm excited for you. Um, Anything else you want to share? How can they find you? How can recruits find you? Um, where can they locate you? Are you on Twitter, Facebook, et cetera? Yeah, so we have a FAMU um, Instagram, pa- Instagram page, uh, FAMU underscore tennis, that they definitely can follow the tennis team on. Um, to reach out to me, you can go to our athletic website, www dot famuathletics.com um our my email address is on there and also my office phone number so definitely reach out if you're interested in famu tennis and i'll definitely get back with you again thank you guys for inviting me and letting us talk let me talk about the famu tennis thank no, you we so appreciate much it, coach thank you and, and i appreciate it anytime too thank you the the team is at the stetson invitational November 5th through the 7th in Deland. That's right up the road from me. So I, I know I got somewhere to be if if I'm not uh, if, if I'm not anywhere else. I'm, that's right up the road. That's 30 minutes up the road. So I, I definitely, you're definitely invited. I, I definitely will be there. Lord willing, I definitely will be there. So that's Stetson okay. Invitational. If you're in the Orlando area, Orlando Rattlers, let's get up there and support our ladies and our program uh, November 5th through the 7th. Again, uh, Coach Houston, we thank you for your time. That's at FAMU underscore tennis on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, hey, good luck, uh, Coach. We, we look forward to talking thank with you. you again, all right? Definitely. Thank all you. Right. All right, we'll be back uh, with uh, head baseball coach, Coach Shoop, right after these words. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. picks up messes quicker and each sheet is two times more absorbent so you can use less he's an eight he's a nine bounty the quicker picker upper since 2002 empowerment resources inc a nonprofit organization has empowered more than 1500 youth and adults in duval and surrounding counties through its programs journey into womanhood girls mentoring life skills for teens and parenting education coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentJAX. Sugar Chateau Desserts is a specialty bakery located in the Charlotte, North Carolina metro area. We will create delicious and one-of-a-kind treats for any occasion. Sugar Chateau is currently shipping cakes in a jar, offering a variety of different flavors in a single-serve container that can help you celebrate in accordance with social distancing. Place your orders today by calling 803-526-7895 or visiting SugarChateauDesserts.com. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. 
Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian Fulford, Kelvin Rozier, Kofi Hemingway. Uh, glad to be back with you. And uh, joining us on the line, uh, head coach, our head baseball coach, Coach Jamie Shoup. Coach Shoup, how you doing, sir? Let me make sure I can. Coach, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you guys hear me? We got you now. How you doing today? Tonight? I am well. I'm well. Thank you. All right. Thank you for uh, taking some time to join us. And uh, uh, first off, let me say, uh, it's, it's, I know it's been a, a week and a half, but uh, happy birthday to you. I know you just celebrated a birthday not too long ago. <laughs> I tell you what, when you get my age, you want to stop celebrating those birthdays. Uh, <laughs> you know, I had, and the reason you don't have audio with me today is, is because of um, uh, video, I'm sorry, of me today is because I had cataract surgery this morning so i couldn't be in any light but uh glad to be with you guys at least audio wise tonight definitely definitely well coach it's it's uh it's good to have you on so so look uh you know it's good to have you and get a chance to kind of talk about what's going on with the program here in the fall um uh because i you know i know you guys are in fall ball season right now so so tell us or, or tell the people a little bit about what that uh opportunity or what that is like this year you didn't have i don't think you had fall ball last year probably so uh having that chance to get back out and uh have a full year of baseball what's it been like for the program so far well we've had a good fall so far i've been pleased with the new guys we've got about 21 new players in our program so the fall was crucial for us this year we're actually a week away from finishing up we'll finish up next wednesday with a inner squad scrimmage we played our last uh, outside competition yesterday. We played Andrew College in a doubleheader. We're able to win both those games 12 to 5 and 7 to 1. So I like, I, you know, I like what we got. Again, a lot of new guys, a lot of new faces. Uh, you know, some of the guys that I think you'll, that, that people will uh, look forward to seeing play the new guys this year is uh, one is a center fielder, an outfielder by the name of Zed Burnham from South Florida Community College young man that's come in here is probably our second fastest guy on the team. And then also a new guy, a returning face. He redshirted last year uh, just to get things uh, settled, try to get a little weight on him. But uh, we got a little kid named Jalen Niles playing infield. I say little, he's about 6'1", 6'2", but anyway, he's about a buck 50 right now. Uh, he's had a pretty oh, wow. good fall as well. And, uh, you know, I think that kid's got potential to possibly play in the big leagues one day. So, Couple of new faces offensively. Uh, you know, I think we struggled a little bit last year offensively, so I'm hoping that we can rectify this. We did bring in some help, uh, you know, from the offensive side and a returning Rattler, uh, uh, Brett Richardson, who was with me back in 2013 and 14 when I took the job. Uh, Brett was with me as assistant coach after we won it in 14 or 15, whenever we won the the MEAC championship. Brett was fortunate enough to get the job at Alcorn State and uh, was there for about six years now, has returned back to uh, FAMU to, to join me back on my staff again. So very excited that Brian and I, Coach Henry and I, have him coming back. And, you know, Brett's a lifelong friend. I actually coached him in high school. And so uh, looking to, to, you know, see what he can add to us offensively so we don't have to go through the, the slumps, too many slumps that we went through last year offensively. Uh, excited about that. Very excited to have Brett back with us this year. Right. Kelvin? Coach, talk about going to the SWAC uh, conference. You know, the MEAC was very competitive and balanced. And um, there's a perception that the SWAC is, is, is uh, got maybe a few more teams at the top. Uh, I know we played them quite a bit in the past. So just talk about the transition of um, going to the SWAC. Is there any significant difference in your mind as a coach 
and um, and what do you look forward to um, in terms of competing? Well, first of all, first and foremost, I'm at tip of the hat to Courtney Gauthier and his staff for putting that together. I mean, that's a move, in my opinion, that should have made a long time ago. Uh, should have been made a long time ago. So uh, he was uh, one that came in and kind of spearheaded that move to the SWAC. And I think it's a great move, not only for baseball, but for all our sports, especially for our student athletes and the travel that's involved uh, versus the, the long travel that was involved from when we were in the MEAC. Uh, the MEAC was a good conference, you know, you know, through all sports. But I think the, the SWAC may have the edge there. It certainly does in terms of travel for us, a little, little more convenient. Uh, and that benefits our student athletes. So, um, but you know, baseball-wise, you're right. The SWAC's good, man. You, when you look at Alabama State, when you look at uh, you know Bethune joining us in the SWAC, that move that we made to the SWAC. When you look at Jackson State, who had an unbelievable like 24 and one record in SWAC play last year, uh, it's a very competitive uh, uh, conference. Uh, probably more so, I would think, than the MEAC. You know, I said going in that. I feel like baseball-wise, we're going to have to be better to be able to compete for championships in the SWAC. And, um, and I think that will hold true. Uh, uh, we have a lot of experience against SWAC teams. We play Alabama State at least twice every year, sometimes more than that. We play Jackson State about every other year in a three-game series. Uh, we played Grambling. Everybody remembers last year when we went to Atlanta uh, or to play in the Gwinnett County Stadium uh, three-game series last year. We'll actually do that again this year, play Grambling. Uh, the SWAC sets up for baseball probably a little differently than most sports. We are two divisions, uh, the, and we will not play outside our division. We'll play everybody, the other, whether it's 12 teams in the SWAC that play baseball. So we'll play uh, six in the Eastern Division and six in the West. We will not play any games conference that will count toward the conference schedule uh, from the Western side. We'll play uh, 24 game comp. I'm sorry. Uh, what is it, 24 games uh, conference schedule. I'm sorry, 30-game conference schedule. We'll play the other five yeah. teams, three games at home and three games on the road. Uh, so, yeah. uh, But we do play Grambling from the West three times in Atlanta the second week of the season. And then we actually open the season in New Orleans at the uh, uh, Andre Dawson Classic there, and we'll play SWAC teams there uh, from the other side as well. So. We're excited about it, man. I think it's a good caliber of baseball. The leadership from Dr. McClellan and what he's trying to establish with the baseball, con you know, with the SWAC being a baseball conference, just like it's a football conference, a lot of emphasis is put on baseball in the SWAC. So, you know, we know we got to get better. We feel like we have, and uh, we're looking forward to competing, man. We're just ex Kofi? Hey, Coach, good to see you. Just wanted to uh, take some time out. Uh, what new things can we see from the FAMU baseball team this year in regards to facilities? Um, are, is there anything coming down the line that Rattler Nation can be excited about? Can you hear me? Brian, can you hear me? I, I hear you, yeah. We just want to make yeah. sure we still have Coach yeah, I'm still here. Can you guys hear oh, me? Oh, okay. Yeah, we, well, we hear you now. Were you able to hear Kofi's question a second ago, Coach? I, I was, yeah. Yeah, I've heard everything. Okay. Yeah. So okay. I was just – what I was saying about the facilities is another tip of the hat to, to uh, uh, our AD, uh, you know, Gauthier, for what he's been able to do. Uh, we finish fall ball next week, and as soon as we finish, they're supposed to come in and, and pull up the infield and put an AstroTurf infield, much like what football has and just like what softball has. So – They'll do half the field now and half the field next year. So we'll be playing on a, a brand-new infield this year. They're supposed to put new poles and new netting up, uh, put some new fencing up as well. So it's really going to get a facelift, and we're certainly looking forward to it. Uh, new, you know, new infield uh, will be an advantage for our players. We'll be able to do something that most that I don't think any other team in the SWAC uh, will be able to do, and that's practice and play on our official turf every day. So we're excited about that, and we're fortunate to have that. And, you know, again, this this whole this athletic staff has done wonders with the, you know, with the football facilities and all the facilities throughout throughout our you know FAMU. So we're looking forward to uh, seeing a much better baseball stadium this you know this when season starts in February. 
Right. I have one little quick question for you in regards to the local reception. Lord knows you've done an amazing job as our head guy. Um, what has been the local involvement or engagement with the high schools and local players within our region in regards to the FAMU baseball program? Yeah, we, we've, uh, you know, we hope to improve on that. Once we get an infield, this artificial turf infield, then we'll be able to allow some of the other programs in town, you know, FAMU, DRS, to come in and play some games on our, on our field. Right now, we can't do that because we are basically the, the, the maintenance department for the baseball field. At least the everyday in and out work on wow. the field has to be done by our players. Uh, and it's hard to you know, upkeep, a, you know, a baseball field, especially an infield. So because of that, we haven't been, uh, you know, allowing other schools to come in. But there's, there's really little to no upkeep when you have an artificial t uh, surface. So we'll be able to have DRS come in and play and maybe some local high school teams come in and play. What we've done in the past is we've had a, several camps. We try to have two or three a year, and that is able to bring some of these local kids in and let them be exposed to FAMU baseball, let them be exposed to us as coaches and how we kind of, you know, communicate with our players and how we coach our players. And uh, we've, got a, you know, we've got a group of pretty good young players that are from Tallahassee, the Tallahassee area. Uh, that have really contributed in the past, and we feel like that will contribute in the future. Uh, you know, you look at Casey Reese, who when we won it in 2019 was the MVP of the tournament, uh, Willis McDaniel, uh, Dylan Carlson, who had, what, 11 saves one year for us, all Tallahassee talent. And then you look at some of these young guys we have, uh, Arjun Lynn from Florida High, who was a, you know, big-time player. Uh, will Brown from Rickards has had an outstanding fall so far so has Brody Popple from McClay uh, switch hitting catcher so very excited about and I'm sure I left off a few more that that we've been uh, very excited about this fall so yeah and we need to continue to do that as well uh, you know I think it helps us some coaches shy away from recruiting local talent because they feel like they have to deal with the parents too much but I don't mind man I you know I want the guys that to grow up <laughs> seeing a good caliber of, you know, of talent that we put on the field and wanting to be part of that talent. So we're excited about, you know, continuing to recruit local and, and hopefully uh, making sure these kids are comfortable staying at home should they decide to do that to play baseball. Hey, Coach, if, uh, with, the, with the upcoming uh, season, and, and you, you kind of hinted on the fact that uh, with us moving over into the SWAC and, the SWAC being a baseball conference, are you a little concerned? Or I, I know I am when I when I look at the past year where um, you know now the SWAC had you know uh, Jackson State had a very great season, one of the one of the few programs to have a thirty win season, uh, but they were end up they left they were left out of the uh, of the playoffs because obviously they didn't win the tournament. Um, with so many quality programs, our program, Bethune coming over. I mean, there, there's going to be at least the top half of the of the uh, SWAC, you know, are going to be good programs. Any worry about us potentially only being – well, I don't know if we are. Hopefully we're not. But any, any, any worries about being maybe a, a one-team league or is the idea to change that? What are your thoughts there? Uh, I, I think there will always be a lot of parity in, in the SWAC when you got us and Bethune and – Alabama State and Jackson State, the more good teams you have, the, the less likelihood that you're going to see one team come in and control that conference. Uh, you know, Jackson State was able to do it this past year. But they didn't win the, the, the tournament, and they probably should have. And I, and I say that is because what the SWAC has done in the past, and we've already had meetings to address that, is they only had once the, they had two sides in their tournament, basically two brackets for their tournament with the winners meeting in a championship bracket. Well, because of uh, TV, uh, having the championship game on TV, the winner of the championship, of the single championship game was declared champions. But uh, uh, Southern, who ended up winning one side, Jackson State won the other side. They met. Jackson State was 3-0. and Southern was 3-1. and So they had already lost a game. But when they got the right. championship, it right. became a one-game winner-take-all, which shouldn't happen. And, you know, it seldom happens in any other conference. And – We've already discussed that to hopefully change that as well. So, you know, Jackson State should have had to have been beat twice. Uh, and then if you look at it, when we won in 2019, we went into the MEAC championship at 4-1 at, at and one 
uh, Norfolk State swept their side and were three and zero. We met in the championship. We won the first game, and then we had to turn around and beat them again. The the SWAC did not have that in place, and it hurt. In in my opinion, it hurt the conference. It you know just didn't hurt Jackson State, but it hurt the the conference because Southern was a good baseball team, but they weren't twenty five and one in conference play. And in my opinion, the SWAC did not have the best representation going from the SWAC to the NCAA tournament. That would have been Jackson State. So you want to do everything in your tournament to put, to at least give the team that you consider or one of the top teams that you consider in your conference being able to have the best you know, chance or opportunity to represent your, your conference uh, in the NCAA regional tournament. Uh, you know, that's, that's crucial. If we're going to continue to grow our lead, we need good representation. You know, and for me, it's just like when we didn't win the MEAC, I was pulling hard for the team that did win the MEAC and how they did in the NCAA regional tournament, because that has a trickle down effect on effect on the whole conference and every baseball program in the conference. So yeah, it's going to be very competitive. No question. I don't think you'll see a team run away. With a with the, you know with the conference if if you do I hope it's wearing orange and green when they run away with it so I hope it's us <laughs> right. but uh, I just don't baseball is just that doesn't happen very often in baseball we're certainly going to do everything we can to make sure no other team runs away from it but uh, you got two more teams joining Jackson State and Alabama State who on this side have always been the two teams that have you know usually led the conference so you add two more pretty good teams we feel like to that. And it's a, you know, it's a coin toss. It's a, it becomes who works the hardest and who recruits the best to, to have the best team representing at least our division and in, in going into the tournament. And also, you know, we, we, uh, we're going to, you know, we've already had the, the good thing about the SWAC. And again, it's kind of refreshing because the organization starting with Dr. McClellan has been so, I mean, it's just been so, it's, it, it's been so refreshing to me as a coach because we didn't really have that at the top in the in the MEAC, and now we have great leadership, and and I mean that. I, I'm not saying that to try to get on his good side because it ain't gonna help me one way or the other, where he likes me or not. But just to have somebody in charge of the conference that cares about baseball, that's wanting what's best for the conference in charge, really makes you feel good. And as I said, it's refreshing for us coming from the MEAC to see that kind of leadership in the SWAT. Um, I'm just excited about it, man. It's a great move for baseball. I mean, I've, I've been enjoying watching Willie and the football team and what they've done, and you, you just realize what a good conference this is from top to bottom. And the volleyball team's done great in the SWAC so far. Uh, looking forward to seeing Mike Rice and the golf team and Nikki that you just had on with her tennis. I think all the coaches are excited about the move, and, you know, we certainly are no different in baseball. All right. Well, hey, Coach, we want to thank you for your time. Um, what uh, uh, What's next? Get, let the people know what's next. How can they reach out, support the program, uh, and, and whatever means there are? Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, so we're done with the fall after another week, and then the field comes up and, you know, AstroTurf comes down. So we'll continue to do some stuff in the weight room. I don't know if anybody else has mentioned it before, but uh, another, you know, again, our third tip of the hat to our administration for uh, giving us good support. Um, we've got Nico Torres uh, as our strength and conditioning coach, and so are some of these other sports. And I think he has four or five programs that he works with. And so our guys will get in the weight room, work with Nico. He does. He has done a great job with our players in our baseball program. Uh, I'll start a little fundraising. I, you know, I don't. I don't try to turn this into to uh, um, where a high school program where the kids have to go out and raise money for the for the program. I try to take care of all that. So. Uh, you know, we started doing that. We've got a, a couple of booster clubs that help us in that regard. Uh, if you're interested in, in finding out how you can give back to the program or give to the program, you can uh, shoot me an email. You know, it's 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 listed there. Uh, it's w, you know it's it's famu it's jamie.shoop at famu baseball. I'm sorry at famu.edu. Uh, jamie.shoop at famu.edu. My phone number is on my website. It's it's my cell number. I don't I don't really use my office number, um, so you can get up with me about hopefully not twenty four seven because I'm an old man as you as you heard me say with cataract <laughs> surgery. So I usually hit in the bed about nine thirty or ten. So, but most of the time you can catch me at that number, and uh, you know we can put you in touch with. We got a uh, a guy that played in the outfield with Andre Dawson years ago named Tony Bell down in South Florida that runs a booster club that raises us. You know, five, six, seven, eight thousand dollars every year. So, um, 
but any support right. we can get, we certainly appreciate it. And the biggest support you can do is for these student athletes is get out there when we start playing in February and let those guys see people in the stands and, and people excited about FAMU baseball and supporting us that way. And we certainly appreciate that. Yes, indeed, Coach. We'll, we'll definitely make sure to do that. And uh, anyone, uh, Tony Bell, you anything we can do to to help support the program, Coach, you got it. We'll, we'll make sure we do it and publicize it and talk about it as, as much and as often as we can. So if you ever get the opportunity to put Tony Bell on the on the talk show, I don't know if you got enough hours in the day, but that man can talk, man. He, he, <laughs> he, he, that guy, could, he can sell ice to an Eskimo, man. He's He's good. So uh, uh, we'll, we'll reach we'll, out. We'll definitely reach out and see. We, we'll reserve two blocks. We'll reserve two blocks for him. Take a commercial break in between, maybe. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So. All right, Coach. Hey, we'll get well. Uh, wish you the best, thank and uh, thanks again for joining us. All right. Thanks, thank Coach. You guys. I appreciate, you guys. appreciate what y'all do. Thank you. All right, we'll be back after these words with more of the ONG Strike Zone in a moment. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food like jerk, chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Pika in downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Pika in downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992 or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, authentic Caribbean cuisine. Supermarket sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> never not working. Never not working. Never ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Standard protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology.